Hello everybody. How's everyone doing today? If you're visiting Portico for the very first time, we would like to welcome you. Please feel free at home. Uh, for those of us watching us online, or from online campus or from our campuses, video cafe or the chapel, welcome to you also. If you're watching us online, go to uversion.com. Take your electronic devices, find the live event which is mentioned there. You'll find Mississauga Portico and you can follow us that way. Uversion.com, look for live events, you'll find Mississauga Portico and you can find us and follow us that way. For those of you who are in the room, you have the added advantage. You can use your electronic devices or you can go the old-fashioned way. You can look at the sermon notes in the bulletin and that will help you. I'm going to request our ushers at this time to come down the aisle. They will have a handful of Bibles. If you need to borrow a Bible, keep your hand raised real high. They will make one available to you. You can use it during the service. At the end of the service, just leave it on your seat and we will take care of that. So if you need a Bible, just keep your hand raised real high. They will find you. For those of you watching us online, grab hold of your electronic devices, get hold of the Bible, and we will see what God has in store for us today. Someone has spent it well. We have taller buildings, but shorter tempers. We spend more, but we have less. We buy more, but we enjoy it less. We have bigger houses, but smaller families. We have multiplied our possessions, but reduced our values. We have more kinds of food, but less nutrition. We have higher incomes, but lower morals. After living in the world out there for six days, you come to the church and we are confronted with God's word. We are introduced to the teachings of Jesus Christ. His ways are higher than our ways. And when Jesus introduces us to his teachings, we find that we have entered a different world. A world that is infinitely higher than and altogether contrary to that which motivates the world. Jesus introduces us to a few paradoxes. The poor in spirit are blessed. We ask how can the poor be blessed? The meek inherit the earth. What? Really? The first are last and the last will be first. Hey, wait a minute. I don't understand this. The greatest man is the one who best serves others. How come? The one who loses everything is the one who will have everything. It doesn't make sense, right? The least among you is the greatest and the greatest among you is the least. Welcome to the sermon series called Paradox. Paradox is when you see an image, when you see a phrase, a statement that seems disjointed, that seems disconnected, but you know it is not. You'll have to wrestle through the paradox to find the hidden truth there. Allow me to start with a story. Now remember, this is just a story. There were three men, they were going on a hiking uh, and unexpectedly as they were going on their hike, they came upon a large, raging, violent river. They needed to get to the other side, they didn't really know how to do it. So the first man prayed to God saying, please God, give me the strength to cross the river. Poof! He got big arms, he got strong legs, he was able to swim across the river. It took him two hours, he almost drowned a couple of times, but he made it. 
The second man looking at what had happened to him, he decided he's going to pray a slightly different prayer. He said, please God, give me the strength and the tools to cross over. Poof! God gave him a rowboat and he was able to row across the river. It took him only one hour after almost capsizing the boat a couple of times. He finally made it. The third man stood there. He had seen what had happened to the first two men. He decided he's going to pray even a slightly different prayer. Just something different. Something safer. So he prayed, please God give me the strength and the tools and the intelligence to cross the river. He should not have prayed for intelligence. And the intelligence to cross the river. Poof! God made him into a woman. She looked at the map. She walked 100 yards, crossed the bridge, five minutes, done. (laughs) So much for strength, so much for tools, so much for intelligence. For today, we are looking at the title, Strength Through Weakness. The Bible text for us this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 7 to verse number 10. Allow me to read it for you. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It is interesting that Paul should start talking about a thorn in his flesh. That's how he starts it. Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher, said that every commentary he read seemed to have the thorn become whatever illness the commentator was going through. If the commentator was having hearing problems, then Paul was having hearing problems. That was his thorn. If the commentator was losing his sight, then Paul was becoming blind. We were doing our sermon preparation. Pastor Rick was there. Pastor Jeff was there. All of us, we were there. And Pastor Jeff related thorn in the flesh. Now remember, the key is whatever you are struggling with, right? So Pastor Jeff related it to his wife. Oh. Take it in light humor. I was just a little better. Whatever I was struggling with, I was able to relate Paul's thorn in the flesh with my mother-in-law. It made perfect sense. Whatever you are going through, the beauty is that because we don't know what the thorn is, you know, we can joke about the wife, mother-in-law, and all of that. The beauty is because we don't know what the thorn is, it allows everyone to relate to Paul. This passage is for you. Whatever you are going through, this passage and its promises are available to you. So let's examine the paradox. If you have your notes, you might want to write it down. Examine the paradox. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 10. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The common opinion is that Paul is a super apostle. While Paul is saying, no, 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 you don't understand. I am not strong. 
I am not a super apostle. The one who pours his power in me is strong. My strength comes from my weakness. Paul in this passage is introducing us not to some kind of false modesty. He's not saying it just for the sake of saying it. He is teaching us. He is saying strength comes from embracing weakness and boasting in that. And we are left to admire Paul for his strength through trials. J. Oswald Sanders wrote a book. It's titled Paul the Leader. He writes, We form part of a generation that worships power, military, intellectual, economical, scientific. The concept of power is worked into the rap and woof of our daily living. Our entire world is divided into power blocks. Men everywhere are striving for power in various realms, often with questionable motivation. The celebrated Scottish preacher James Stewart made a statement that is also challenging. It is always upon human weakness and humiliation. Always upon human weakness and humiliation. Not on human strength and confidence. That God chooses to build his kingdom. And that he can use us not merely in spite of our ordinaries and helplessness and disqualifying infirmities. But precisely because of them. Paul is talking about the thorn in his flesh that has kept him from becoming conceited. He's revealing to us in no uncertain terms that strength comes from God and we are at our strongest when we are at our weakest. So let's take the time and establish the principle. Establish the principle. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 verse number 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Here Paul is openly sharing what he's going through. He says there was a time when he was greatly troubled by a thorn that the enemy had placed by his side. Paul prayed three times and asked God that this thorn will be removed from his side. Now in my mind, I have this picture of Paul, the super apostle. Whatever he prayed, God gave it to him. Paul is presenting us with a different picture. He said, for three times I prayed. But the Lord answered his his desperate needs to remove the thorn in a very unusual manner. God replied and said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. We are surprised when we hear this. I used to be a CEO of a hospital. We used to treat 100,000 patients, 40,000 free patients. I used to meet a lot of believers and I used to meet a lot of believers going through sickness. My mother-in-law, she passed away at the age of 67. I remember I went from North India, I went to South India, went into the hospital, went next to her bed. For 67 years, she prayed and God answered her prayer. She was never sick. She had never been inside the hospital. And one night I went to pray with her and I was talking to her and she said, I'm really struggling because I'm praying, but God has not healed this time. And I said, how beautiful, how beautiful it is that for 67 years you've enjoyed such grace. And she said, yes, it's been a beautiful ride. But on that journey, on her last journey, she prayed for healing, but it didn't come. 
It's a God who has not lived up to our expectation. We can get bitter about it. We can get sad about it. We can go to a corner and we can have a pity party. Paul is looking at it differently. He's saying, I prayed, but God said, my grace is sufficient for you. It's a surprising answer. Does this mean that I do not have to have the super strong strength? And I don't have to put on this mask that everything is good and I am strong. And the pressure of this thorn is not getting to me. Do I need to rely on my own resources or is there something else available to me? We are are reminded here by Paul that we only qualify for his strength when we admit our weakness. It's the basic application to enjoy God's strength. It's application 101. You have a strength when you admit you are weak. And Paul is saying, and he's willing to say, it's my weakness and it's God's power that makes the difference. More often, God chooses those who are unable rather than able. While studying the Bible, it becomes apparent, it's clear that God's ways are not our ways. And when God chooses us, he chooses not always the able. The able are tempted to accept the glory and the praise of their work. You know, they are good enough. While the unable knows it, that God did it and God alone deserves all the glory. And they have no problem just turning anything which God has done and giving God all the praise. Look at David in the Old Testament. He's a shepherd boy. He's the youngest of the eight sons of Jesse. Samuel is sent by God to find a replacement to King Saul. While Samuel is admiring one of Jesse's son, one of David's elder brother. 1 Samuel 16 verse number 7 captures it well. God said to Samuel, do not look at his countenance and his tall stature. For I have rejected him. For it is not as man perceives it. A man sees what is visible to the eyes, but God sees into the heart. It is the young David, young shepherd boy who has been chosen by God and rightfully so. We are not surprised when we find David standing standing in front of giant Goliath. And he picks up a stone and the first stone from the slingshot gets rid of giant Goliath. Because it was not David doing it. It was God through David. It was God moving through David's weakness. Isn't it true that we look for ability while God is looking at you and he's looking for your availability? It's not our ability, it's our availability. Consider Moses in Exodus chapter 4 verse number 10. Moses is pleading before the Lord and this is what he says in verse number 10. Pardon your servant Lord, I have never been eloquent neither in past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses could not speak well and yet through God's strength and direction Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery and directed them to their promised land. We are reminded again and again in the Bible limitations does not have to be a liability. Don't let that be an excuse in your life. So let's together, let's explore the possibilities. Let's explore the possibilities. Second Corinthians chapter number 12, 
Verse number 10, if you're writing down the notes, explore the possibilities. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 10. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we rely on our natural ability, we get natural outcomes. When we open our doors to supernatural ability, we get supernatural outcomes. Consider with me the story of Samson. It's in the book of Judges. It is part of the Old Testament that gets a lot of attention. A popular movie was made out of this. Because there's something interesting about the ability that Samson had. Samson was endowed with great physical strength. We read his ability to destroy a lion. Yet we find in the story that pride takes over when we depend on our natural ability. When Samson compromised himself with Delilah, his great strength was gone. One of the most tragic verses is found in Judges chapter 16, verse number 20. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. He was depending on his natural ability. He does not even realize that the supernatural ability is gone. For he did not know that the Lord had left him. The lesson here is this. When you rely on your natural ability, you will fail. You will fall. In a sense, all strength is an illusion. It is an illusion that persists as long as nothing is exposing our real condition. We feel good as a believer. We feel we are strong. Then we walk into a doctor's office and he tells us we've got cancer and our world comes crumbling down. We were strong 10 minutes back. 10 minutes after the visit to the doctor's office where they have told us we've got a terminal illness, us, our world has crashed because strength is an illusion. Outside of God, we don't make it. So many believers seem to have it all together. Not necessarily because we do. But we just are basking in this illusion of strength. We have our church life. We have a few Bible verses. We, have got, we are doing reasonably okay. At times we even believe that things are going good because of our merits. God is giving us strength because of my faith. Because of my Bible reading. Because of my fasting. Because of my prayer. Here's a paradox in and of itself. Was Samson strong? Or was God Strong in him. Second Corinthians chapter number 13. Verse number 4. For to be sure he was crucified in weakness. Yet he lives by God's power. Likewise we are weak in him. Yet by God's power we will live with him. In our dealing with you. Too often we have it backwards. We use every ounce of strength we've got. We try and do all the things we want to do. We have no time for God. We have no, th- no time for the things of God. And when all fails, when we have miserably failed, then we come to God as the last resort. God is wanting it backwards or, or he's wanting it the right way, right way out. He's saying, come to me as an available person who's willing to come to God And express his weakness. Admit to me that you're not able to. 
And that you require my strength to lead it out. Don't come to me as a last resort when things have failed. Come to me right at the, at the start and say, God, I'm about to do this. I do not have the ability. I need your blessings. I need your anointing. I need your strength to be able to do this. And then listen to God. D.L. Moody, a young American evangelist, when he was young, somebody walked to him and said, it remains to be seen what God will do with a man who gives himself up fully unto him. When Moody heard it, he said to himself, well, I will be that man. I will be the one who will be fully committed to God. When you make yourself available to God, do not offer him your skills. He doesn't need it. When you come to God, offer him your heart. Submit to him. Take the time to listen to what God is calling you to do. What he wants you to serve. What is the purpose for which you have been created? Why were you fearfully created, wonderfully designed? Where is God taking you? Zechariah chapter 4 verse number 6. It reads, So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. We need to remember that when God calls you to serve within an area, He will empower you to do it. This is the difference between serving God and serving the world. In our weakness, we allow God to take over and do some amazing things. Experience the provision. Experience the provision. It's available for you. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 9. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. You know, there's a poem. It's a favorite poem of mine. I, I say it often. I use it as a prayer. And it goes something like this. We need to watch his method, watch his ways, how he uses, who he chooses, for our God never makes a mistake. He picks up Moses from the palace, uses him in the wilderness. He picks up Joseph from the wilderness, uses him in the palace. Watch his method, watch his ways, how he uses who he chooses, for our God never makes a mistake. We offer him our weaknesses, and he turns it around and makes it our strength. It's a beautiful journey with God. Second Samuel chapter number 22, verse number 33, it reads, it is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. In the book of Joshua, chapter number 1, Joshua chapter number 1, Moses is dead. Israel was, delivered from, from, uh, Israel was delivered from Egypt because Moses led his people. But now we find that this great leader is dead, Moses is gone, and God is speaking to Joshua. Now Joshua was not a young man when this took place. He had been an assistant to Moses for a long, long time. God had prepared him for such a time as this. Joshua had been faithful in small things. He had been made ready for God. And now God is speaking to his man. And God is saying, here is the job description. God tells Joshua, arise, go to the land which I am giving to them. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Joshua has victory assured because God has called him. Joshua chapter 1 verse number 9 reads, Be strong and of good courage. God is telling Joshua, be strong and of good courage. God is calling Joshua to boldness. 
His weakness is exposed and there was a need for such a command because even for a great leader like Joshua, he needed that encouragement. He needed to hear God telling him, be strong and of good courage. This bold courage would not be Joshua's ability. It will not be like Samson who relied on his natural strength. The bold courage is in God. We can be full of self-confidence. In fact, you can go on YouTube and you will, you will see scores of videos on people talking to you about three steps to success and you know, seven steps to success and you can do this and, and, and you, know, you are strong and you, are, you can be self-confident. A life full of self-confidence will lead to ruin. In this life's journey, we are being called instead to have God confidence. The world says self-confidence. The word of God says have God confidence. Joshua is told to do according to the law. Joshua must take care to observe God's word. Joshua's commitment would be the pillars of his success. It comes out of hearing God and being confident in God. Joshua did not only need to read God's word. It's not, you know, here is your Bible reading, read it five minutes a day. No, 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 this is, this is a much higher calling. It has to be on his lips. It shall not depart from your mouth. It has to be in his mind. Meditate in it day and night. It has to be something he had to do it. Observe to do according to all that is written. Just reading God's word without, without putting it on your lips and putting it in your mind and without doing it is only half a prescription. For then you will make your way prosperous. I don't know what you're going through, but hear this if you've heard nothing else. And then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. God's word so lived is a guarantee for your success. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Not in self-confidence, but in God's confidence. Allow me to close with a true story. Early in the morning, on January 23rd, 1999, Graham Staines and his two sons, 10-year-old Philip and 7-year-old Timothy, were burnt alive in Manoharpur village in the province of Orissa in India. Graham Staines had worked with leprosy patients in India for 30 years. He was sleeping with his two sons in a station wagon on their way home on a cold January night when a mob in Manoharpur village poured gas on the station wagon and set fire to it. The stains tried to escape the mob of about 50 people, but they allegedly prevented them and they were all burnt alive. Graham's wife Gladys, at the funeral of her husband and her two sons, sang the song, Because he lives, because God lives, I can face tomorrow. In those days, I used to host programs for Christian Broadcasting Network. And a few months later, I was sent with a cameraman to go and interview Gladys Staines. One of the sons of Gladys was born in a hospital where I have served as a CEO. The main accused who had killed this family had the last name same, similar to mine, Singh. So for a number of reasons, this was a difficult journey. It was emotionally difficult for me. 
I remember arriving at the Baripada town of Mayurbanj district in the province of Orissa. It had taken me an overnight train ride and a day-long journey by car. By the time I arrived at the doorstep of Gladys Stain, it was 7.30 in the night. She was conducting a staff devotion. When the word reads that I had arrived, I was invited to come into her house and sit on the floor with her other staff members. I still remember. It was a hot, humid night. There was minimum furniture in the house. We sat on mats facing one another. There was a small tri-speed Usha fan and it was thankfully right next to me. I looked around and as I was looking around, I noticed that the fan was making a noise. The blade was kind of going back, hitting the cage, making a noise. As I was looking at the room, I noticed that everything was very simple. There was nothing expensive, ordinary, simple furniture, a simple lifestyle. I looked up at the wall to the right of where Gladys Staines was sitting. And there was a picture of the burned station wagon and in the corner a picture of her husband and her two sons. Gladys was an Australian lady. She came to India in 1980. She learned the Uriya language. She was taking the staff, staff devotion in the Uriya language. She was speaking to a staff. And for my sake, one of her staff members was translating it from Uriya language to English language. Gladys read from Philippians chapter, Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Remember Christ on the cross being crucified? And Christ says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And here is Gladys sitting with the staff and saying, becoming like him in his death. She ended the devotion with a reminder that was similar to what Pastor Jeff preached last Sunday. We must die first to experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. After the devotion, I left for my hotel room. I was stunned. For much of the night, I could not sleep. I got up early in the morning. I got ready. I met, went and met with Gladys. We did our interview and then we went to the leprosy colony, which she used to manage. There were 67 lepers and Gladys walked around and she touched them and she looked at their wounds and she bandaged them and she took care of them. Then she walked with me and she showed me a piece of property. She was thinking of building a Graham Staines Memorial Hospital that will take care of the lepers. That the lepers will be taken care of. Later that morning, I gathered enough courage to ask her that one question I was dying to ask. No pun intended. That one question, Gladys, I asked, how were you able to respond with words of forgiveness? Gladys paused. She looked at me and then looked away as she continued to speak. She mentioned that although she could not express how she felt when she got the news of her husband and her sons being burnt alive, she reached out to her daughter Esther and said, though we have been left alone, we will forgive. And her daughter Esther, studying at Hebron School in Uti in South India, barely 13 years of age, she replied, yes, we will. In her statement before the inquiry commission, on the death of her husband and her two sons, 
Gladys Stain said, The Lord is always with me to guide me and help me to try to accomplish the work of Graham. But I sometimes wonder why Graham was killed. And also what made his assassins to behave in such a brutal manner on the night of 22nd, 23rd January 1999. It is far from my mind to punish the persons who are responsible for the death of my husband Graham and my two children. But it is my desire and hope that they would repent and would be reformed. What we discovered in India that day, that in her weakest moment, instead of responding with words of hatred, Gladys and Esther, through God's grace, God's strength and God's provision, were able to respond in such a manner that every newspaper carried the headlines and every media outlet reported what Gladys Staines and her 13-year-old daughter had done. Every Indian was left stunned by the Christ-like response. Just like Gladys Staines and her 13-year-old daughter Esther, Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 10, provides us with a wonderful roadmap, a teaching principle for our life today. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So much for Gladys and Esther Staines. And about Apostle Paul and about Moses and about David. How about you today? The question confronts you. It's a simple one. Are you available for God to use you? Or are you choosing your own pathway? Are you afflicted with a sickness? Burdened by a tough situation? Do you feel like you are under intense pressure? Have you lost the security of your job? Have you been paying for and praying for a miracle and your God has not lived up to your expectation? I have some surprising news for you. You are exactly where God wants you to be. It took all these years to get you this low and make you feel so needy. Now look up. Are you feeling crushed or defeated or or confused? Rather than fighting back, surrender. Embrace your weakness. Put your arms around it. Tell God today that you are trusting in the strength of His power. If Paul could do it, if Gladys Stain and Esther Staines could do it, so can you. Now that you are beginning to grasp the paradox of finding strength through weakness, I suggest you truly embrace it. Why don't you come to the Lord to stop and to surrender? Go home and drop on your knees and cry out to God. Admit your inadequacies and declare your inability to keep going on your own. If you're finally ready to step aside and let him have his way, then allow me the joy of praying with you. If you're watching us online in the video cafe, in the chapel, on the online campus... Close your eyes and bow your head and give me the privilege of praying with you as we all pray together. Lord, if you don't come through, we are sunk. If you don't open that door, it isn't going to happen. My situation is in your hands. I'm tired of pushing and shoving and relying on myself. I surrender. We pollute the world you loaned us. 
We mistreat the bodies you gave us. We ignore the word you wrote for us. And we kill the son you sent to us. We are like spoiled children who kick and pout and blaspheme. You have every reason to abandon us. Yet Lord, your love never ceases. Though we spurn you, ignore you, disobey you, your love never changes. Our evil cannot diminish your love. Our goodness cannot increase it. Our faith does not earn it any more than our foolishness jeopardizes it. You don't love us less when we fail. You don't love us more when we succeed. Your love is an unconditional love. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. Help us in spite of our shortcomings to grasp the truth contained in your word. We thank you, Lord, that when we are weak, then we are strong. We thank you that your grace is sufficient for us and that my power is made perfect in weakness. We surrender ourselves to you yet again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.